0: Good morning, everyone. As we get started in this portion of our worship today, I just want to say I hope that you had an amazing Easter resurrection celebration experience, whatever that looked like for you. It was great to be with many of you and connect with many of you over Easter last weekend. And for those of you who are traveling to other places to be with family and friends, I hope that was an amazing experience for you as well. We're gonna continue today in a spirit of celebration, and we're gonna do that by turning our attention to scripture, specifically John chapter 20, verses 11 through 13. And I wanna invite you once again to hear these words, and we'll use these then as a jumping off point for today and into our sermon series ahead. So let's go ahead and share in this together. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them the things that he had said to her. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. As we begin to reflect on those words together today, would you join with me in a word of prayer? Almighty God, this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. Once again, it is so good to be with you today. And I hope that you are still basking in the joy of the resurrection because one of the great joys of the resurrection is that the realities of the resurrection continue. They're not a once and done thing. The reality, the beauty, the life, the goodness of the resurrection continues on because Jesus is still alive. Because Jesus is alive, we know that evil does not have the final say. Because Jesus is alive, we know that death does not have the final say. Because Jesus is alive, we know that sadness does not have the final say. Because Jesus is alive, we know that things like depression do not have the final say. And that is good, good news. The literal term for gospel, it comes from the Latin term evangelium, or the Greek term evangelium. Evangelium, and it means good news or good story. I want to invite you to think for just a moment of something in your life that has represented or has been really, really good news for you. When have those times been? What have those things included that have been so good for you? Was it sometime when somebody said they loved you? Was it when you got married? Was it maybe your first job that you were given? Was it getting the dream job you'd always desired to have? Was it when you got the news that you were completely healed? Was it news that you got that scholarship? Was it the realization that your friends and family were throwing the entire party just for you? Is it whenever you have sat in the beauty of God's creation, maybe at a sunrise or a sunset, and just taken in the sheer beauty of it? What was one of those good moments in life for you? And as you're thinking about that, what did that moment of goodness feel like? Try to hold on to that feeling for just a moment. And I know it's hard to put into words the description of goodness, but my guess is that there will be some sense of almost internal warmth and satisfaction deep in our being, maybe mixed with a sense of being fully alive and alert, maybe mixed with a sense of love and acceptance and being seen and valued. There was probably some sense of extreme health mixed in there, or that things were going to be okay. Maybe just a feeling of absolute contentment or genuine satisfaction mixed with joy. But when you put all those things together, we get a sense of what is good. And so as you're thinking about something that was good and then what that feeling of goodness feels like, here's my last question for you about goodness. What was your response to the goodness that you've experienced? In other words, what did you do with the goodness that you were encountering in those wonderful moments in your life? My guess is that for many of us, if not all of us, was that in one way or another, we shared it. Either in formal ways or in informal ways, we shared it with others because we don't want to hold something that's truly good just for ourselves. And we see this all the time. One of the best ways that we use social media is we like to tell each other, rightly so, some of the good things going on in our life. So we celebrate graduations and weddings and children being born. And we put pictures out there and we say, everyone, look at this good thing going on in my life. We celebrate birthdays and new jobs and sunrises and sunsets. And we say, celebrate these good things with me. We celebrate our grandkids and our nieces and our nephews because they're good. And we want to share that with the rest of the world. We share goodness. Here's a picture that Jen shared just a few weeks ago on social media in regards to something good that happened in our family. Those kids holding the other kids 18 years ago were Jen and I, and it was the day that Joshua legally became ours forever and always, as we say. When he came into our life, he was only 29 days old, and it would take another 282 days before the courts would say he was legally ours. That was such a good, good day for us. And we wanted to share it with our family and friends then, and we still want to share it with our family and friends now because it's good. Joshua is such a gift in our life, and so we want to celebrate that and share it with others. That's what we do with good news. The nature of good news is meant to be shared, and there's no better good news than the good news of Jesus here's part of what I'm wondering today as we dive into a new sermon series together. What would it take for you and for us to be so excited by the good news of Jesus that we are excited and motivated to share that good news with others? What would it take for us to be so excited to share the good news with other individuals? Now, I don't doubt that most of us connected here in these moments would acknowledge that Jesus is good news. I don't think we'd be listening to this sermon or engaged in our online worship today if we didn't have a sense and a feeling already that Jesus is good and he is good news because he who came and lived a perfect life on our behalf and offered himself as a perfect sacrifice on our behalf so that we could receive his blessing and he took our curse, that is good news for you and I. And then knowing that Jesus, as we celebrated Easter, conquered death and evil, and lives and reigns in victory. It's all so good. This is the gospel good news. Now, if the gospel is really this good of news, and it is, and if it's so good, then why do you and I so oftentimes not share that good news with others? What prevents us from sharing the good news of Christ in our world? Because the reality is, The church today increasingly seems to have a hard time sharing the good news of Christ with others. According to various surveys that are out there, Christians in America, at one point in 1976, 91% of the population in America said that they were Christian or affirmed Christian beliefs. That number fell to 74% in 2016. That number fell again to 64% in the year 2022. And it's expected by the year 2050 that Christians in our culture will be no longer the majority. We know that when it comes to sharing the good news of Christ, it can be hard for us, which is interesting when we compare it to sharing the good news as it relates to us with things like graduations and birthdays and new births and all of these kinds of things. In those instances, we naturally seem to share the good news with others but it's much harder for us a lot of times in relation to the good news of Jesus. Because whether it's out of fear or embarrassment or the inability to communicate in a relevant way, we struggle with how to share that good news in a way that the world can hear and receive. I just recently saw an article with the actor, Mark Wahlberg, some of you might know him, Interestingly, he takes his faith very seriously. He is a practicing Catholic. He gets up in the morning and he prays. He reads his Bible, that's how he begins his day. His faith is important to him. And yet, in the article I was reading, in regards to his faith, he said this. He said, I don't force it on my kids. Now, he said, they can, they know that dad cannot start the day without being in prayer or reading scripture. And then he says, hopefully instead of me forcing my faith on them, they'll say, well, if it works for dad, maybe it will work for me. And hopefully then they will gravitate towards that faith on their own. Now, many of us take our faith seriously. And we do not want to force our faith on anyone else. That's that's not a good thing. But if we're not intentional to share the good news in relevant ways, then there's going to be a good chance that the good news of Christ is not shared with others. We can't just hope that if we're in close proximity to others that they will magically catch the faith, as it were. Or, as Wahlberg said, that that folks will just kind of gravitate towards the good news almost magically or by happenstance. And so what we want to do in this series is we want to celebrate that which is good we want to celebrate that which is very good and we want to be intentional then to share the good news in real and relevant and intentional and authentic and non-forced ways because everybody needs the good news we all know that in our world today more good news is needed a week does not go by that we don't hear about political division tornadoes, shootings, violence, sickness, disaster of some kind. And thanks to the resurrection, those things do not have the final say. Thanks to the resurrection, you and I have good news to share today. So let's share it with intentionality and love and excitement. So I want to ask us again, what would it take for you to actually be excited to desire to intentionally share the good news of Jesus with others? What would need to happen? Today, we're in the Gospel of John, and we hear this fascinating encounter. And I know I shared it earlier, but I want to share just a couple of verses again from John chapter 20, verses 15 to 18, and we hear this. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir... If you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord and she told them that he had said these things to her. I love this moment. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turns out and cries out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. In this scripture, Mary is clearly surprised. She was expecting death, but she found life, and it surprised her in the most wonderful way. And then out of the joy of that surprise, Mary went and shared the good news with the other disciples. Now notice, she doesn't share the good news of Jesus out of a sense of obligation, or with a feeling of hesitation. She doesn't go with a fully formed five-point presentation of beliefs. She's just so, prized, so surprised in the best way possible that her natural response is she can't help but go and share the good news with others that she cares about and that she knows. If we were to fast forward to John chapter 20, verse 20, we would also hear that Jesus shows up and surprises the disciples who were huddled in fear behind closed and locked doors. So once again, there's a sense of surprise. And we're, we're told that the disciples in that surprise, they too are overjoyed. And it's out of that sense of joy and surprise that the disciples are gonna go out and share the good news of Jesus with others. Again, it's a sense of overflow from the heart, not a manufactured programmatic emphasis that's given here. When was the last time you were surprised or overwhelmed or overjoyed by Jesus in such a way that as a response of the overflow of your heart, you wanted to just naturally go and tell others about Jesus? When was the last time? It's not a matter of sharing Jesus because we should, but rather it's the privilege and the joy of sharing the good news of Jesus that we ourselves have experienced. I wanna be really careful here. Many of us may think, well, you know what? I'm not wired to share the good news of Jesus with others. I'm not a preacher, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a Billy Graham, I'm none of those things. Maybe even the word evangelism gives us a sense of hives and we just kinda wanna break out. We're like, that is not me. Because increasingly in our world, the term evangelical, or the, which literally means the sharing of the gospel, it carries negative connotations. At worst, it's something that we want to avoid completely. And at best, it's perceived that we better be very wary of how we share in that thing called evangelism. And I get that but when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus, there's a couple things we need to understand. First of all, because the gospel of Jesus is good news, it is normal and natural for all Christians to share in it as an overflow of our heart. It's normal for every single one of us because Jesus is our norm. He's not the exception. It's part of a normal life of following Jesus to share Jesus. So it's not meant for the super spiritual. It's not meant for the Billy Grahams of the world. It's meant to be normal and natural for all of us. Second, sharing the good news of Jesus, it's meant to be a way of life for us. It's not a program that we put out there. The sharing of Christ comes in and through who we are and how we live. Jesus is not an evangelical program to master. It's not about treating others as targets to conquer. And it's not about mastering a spiritual formula or having enough certain spiritual laws memorized that we share back with people. That's not what we're talking about. Sharing the good news of Jesus is meant to be relational and authentic and natural as a normal overflow of our hearts. When we do this, if we realize how good the good news of Jesus is, we can't help but invite others to also know that good news. Just like when we share about our kids or a marriage or getting a new job or anything else that we get excited about that we want the rest of the world to know about. It's the same when it comes to Jesus. We want the world to know Jesus because Jesus has so impacted and transformed us. So in light of this, I want to raise two questions for us that I want to invite us to come back to repeatedly throughout this sermon series together. Question one is this, how good is the good news of Jesus to me? Just ponder on that for a moment. I mean, again, when was the last time Jesus surprised you with his goodness? Can you think of a time? For so many of us, Jesus just becomes sort of this uh, almost blasé thing in our life. When was the last time you were surprised by his sheer goodness? And then secondly, who then can I share that good news with in an authentic, powerful, loving, relevant, joyful way so that others can experience the good news that we have? Again, I wanna invite us to come back to those questions a number of times throughout our series together. And keeping those questions in mind, then here's what I wanna do today. I wanna give us a bit of a foundation off of which to explore the good news of Jesus. Because I want us to be crystal clear about what we're talking about. That when we say Jesus is good news, what do we mean? Why is he good news? And one of the first things we realize, the first premise I wanna lay out for us is this. Realize today that Jesus is alive and active in our world. Now let's just stop right there for a moment. Jesus still surprises us because he's still alive. He still calls us by name like he did with Mary in today's scripture. There's no use moving on if we do not know and realize and celebrate that Jesus is alive and that Jesus continues to move and act in our world. As we celebrated last week, we continue to celebrate today, Jesus has conquered death through the resurrection. A former president of the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, a gentleman named Byron Kloss, he once said this to a group of gathered clergy, and I love this. He said, I believe in the present tense of Jesus. Again, I love that. Too many of us are like Mary Magdalene, who in John 20, verse 2, before she realized that Jesus was alive after the resurrection, she said, they have taken my Lord. And I don't know where they've put them. They have taken past tense. But because Jesus is alive and active in our world today, Jesus is meant to be active in our lives here and now so that right now in this moment, we can join with Jesus and what he's up to in the world. Len Sweet points out that throughout history, with every awakening of the Spirit, it comes not when the church has remembered Jesus as in remembering something from the past, a distant memory, but rather when the church has remembered itself by reattaching itself to the living Christ and the living presence as Jesus moves in fresh and holy ways among us. This is significant because for many of us, the key challenge to sharing Jesus with others is our inability to take seriously that Jesus is in the present tense, showing up now, walking with us now, loving us now, surprising us now. The scriptures don't just point back to something that once was, they also point to what is and what will be. In today's scripture in John 20 verse 16, we hear the change in Mary when she realizes it's no longer that Jesus was with her, but now Jesus is with her. And when Jesus says to her, Mary, it is a Mary filled with, I am, not I was. Mary, I am here with you. Mary, I am with you now. And it was this experience of the presence of Jesus in the now that allowed Mary to be caught off guard in surprise and joy in such a way she wanted to share it with others. As soon as she recognized Jesus in front of her, off she went to share the good news with others. It's not a forced thing, it's a natural outgrowth of something really good in our lives. And because then Jesus is alive, It's our role today as well to partner with Jesus in the present to help others experience Jesus who've not yet had a chance to experience Christ themselves. And you and I have an even more distinct advantage today than the disciples before Jesus' time did. And that is, we have something that those disciples never had in the same way, which is the advantage of the Holy Spirit. John 20, verse 22, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit allows us in time and space and the present to walk with the living Lord and to realize that he is among us. This should be a great encouragement to us because we never then share the good news alone. We never need to walk in fear of being alone. We walk in the power and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So all of this happens because we first realize that Jesus is alive and active in our world but we don't just realize that Jesus is alive and active in our world, we also recognize Jesus who's alive and active in our world. It's one thing to realize or believe from a distance that Jesus is alive, it's another to recognize where Jesus is among us here and now. To realize and to then recognize what he's up to. What if our goal was more to help people recognize Jesus who's already among us, rather than try to wrestle a sinner's prayer out of people as a proper response? What if we could help people recognize Jesus in the midst of the beauty and the goodness that's already present? Recently, some acquaintances of mine had their first child, and you can imagine that moment at the crib of the child for the first time when they get home and looking at that child and marveling at the miracle that child is and counting the toes and looking at the miniature beauty of the baby. What parent in that miracle moment is going to contradict the power of the beauty of miracles and the power of the beauty of God? there's no parent that's going to contradict that in the face of this amazing, precious human being. I once heard it said that there's little talk of Big Bang theories or primordial soup theories on the origin of humanity in the hospital nursery. I love that. So when it comes to evangelism, it's not about the cognition and the thinking, it's more about the recognition and the seeing. It's amazing how often God is moving and God is present and God is alive and God is active among us and we just don't see him. We just don't recognize him, much like Mary did in the garden here this morning. She thought he was the gardener. She didn't recognize he was the savior. I've always appreciated the story related to the theologian Carl Barth. He was a famous theologian from Switzerland, and he was riding in a streetcar in his home city of Basel, Switzerland, and he took a seat next to a tourist. And the two men started talking with one another. Barth inquired, are you new to the city, to the tourist, to which the tourist said, yes. And is there anything in particular you'd like to see while you're in the city, Barth asked. Yes, said the tourist, I would like to meet the famous Swiss theologian, Karl Barth. Do you happen to know him? And Bart answered, As a matter of fact, I do know him. I gave him a shave this morning. The tourist got off the streetcar and at the next step, quite delighted with himself, he went back to his hotel and he told everyone, Hey everyone, I met Karl Bart's barber today. How often are we in the presence of Christ and yet fail to see or recognize that it's really Jesus himself who's with us? Many of us have a recognition problem being in the presence of Christ and then joining with him in what he's up to. So when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus, we realize that Jesus is alive and active today. And then we recognize Jesus as he moves among us today. And then finally, we respond to the promptings of Jesus moving among us today. We realize, we recognize, we respond. It's not that we put Jesus in our backpack and take him somewhere to all the people who don't yet know him. It's not that Jesus isn't already there. Instead, it's in conjunction with the living Christ, with the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we join with God and where God is already moving and respond to his leading. The beauty of this is that we then follow Christ in his leading rather than try to do it all ourselves. If we were to push this just a little bit farther, isn't it rather a high level of theological arrogance to think that we, on our own, take Jesus anywhere where he was not previously located? As if to say, Jesus, you'll never really arrive on the scene. You'll never get there until I take you there. That's that's not what we're called to do. Instead, we respond to the promptings of the Spirit to join with Jesus and where he already is which requires us to have eyes and hearts and minds and souls wide open to recognize Jesus so that we can respond to Jesus. Matthew's gospel says it this way in light of the reality of the resurrection. In Matthew 28, seven, he has risen from the dead and he is going, where? Ahead of you. There you will see him. See, God is always ahead of us going before us, inviting us to walk with him and to follow. I once heard it described this way, this imagery, just let this play out in your head. We're called to walk so closely with Jesus that our lives only cast one shadow. That's how closely and intimately we want to walk and respond with Jesus. So how can we do this? How can we respond with Jesus and sharing the good news of Christ with others? Here's a couple thoughts and suggestions to get us moving in that direction. One, can I just invite us to begin to pray that we will again encounter the risen Christ in surprising ways ourselves so that we, as we are naturally filled with joy and excitement, want to share that goodness with others, that we once again in our own walks would be surprised by the living God. Uh, secondly, if you are a leader of any kind or you work with other people, begin praying that people in your area would also have surprise encounters with Jesus. Pray that they will see the Christ who is moving among them. Next, choose to stay with Jesus no matter how long it takes, even if it doesn't feel like a difference is being made. So maybe you've been praying for someone for a while and you think it's not making any difference. Keep praying. Keep sharing, because in God's time, change happens. Remember, Jesus doesn't always show up on our schedule. Mary was the only one left in the garden. When everyone else left, she remained. Even in the face of the impossible, she stayed, and that's where Jesus showed up to her. Maybe you think there's no way Jesus will show up to someone that you've been praying for, but stay in there. Hang in there. Keep praying. It makes a difference. Can I invite you to share your story of being surprised either in a life group or please utilize the First Church Facebook page or some other places, maybe during the fellowship time after or before our worship services. But get in the practice of sharing this week. How did Jesus surprise you? Share that with one another because it's not only encouragement to others, it's a reminder ourselves of what God is doing. And would you be praying for people that you know and that you love to be surprised by Jesus and for opportunities then to share the good, wonderful, holy, relevant news with them. In short, be praying for us to realize that Jesus is alive and active among us, that we recognize Jesus is alive and active among us and that we can then respond to Jesus being alive and active among us. Because in a world filled with so much heaviness, we get to focus on that which is good and to join with Jesus in sharing that good news with others who may not yet know it. A few weeks ago, I was surprised by Jesus, what for me was a really powerful way. Two of our co-blue guests, Ray and Stacy, had decided they wanted to renew their wedding vows at our first night dinner and worship experience. Now, I wasn't sure what to expect going into that evening together, but my goodness, what a beautiful, wonderful night it was. So many people did different things in order to honor Ray and Stacy. Uh, our kitchen crew made special anniversary cakes for them. Uh, Michael got out spe- special decorations so that we could recognize that something different was going on that night. Uh, Caroline and Tyree stood with Ray and Stacy to support them as they renewed their vows with each other. Uh, somebody else got them some new clothes to be able to enjoy that evening. They had gotten rings for the celebration. Uh, we had guests from other guests of our code blue who came to be with them that night and overnight hosts who came to joy be with them and joy and celebrate with them it was awesome and so here i am and i'm getting to do this renewal of vows and i'm i'm there and we're in this community together and i see ray and stacy and i asked them this question i asked them what was it that they continued to love about each other after all these years of having been together and it was so great because Ray said, I just love how beautiful she is. And Stacy said, I love his blue eyes. And we celebrated that together and then they shared a wedding dance together and it was just so good. They wanted everyone to know their love. They wanted to share that good news with everyone else. And yet for me that night, as we were finishing up the evening, I had a moment where I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for showing up in this unexpected way to turn a normal gymnasium into a place of celebration where we can come and as a family united in you, celebrate the renewal of vows of two of our code blue guests. It was a moment and a time of joy, a time of commitment to Jesus, a time of celebration of love. It was wonderful. And what surprised me was this, I just had a moment going through that with them where I partly was like, how did I even end up here, God? Like, how did I end up having the privilege to be able to stand here with Ray and Stacy and share in this holy, wonderful moment with them? Because I certainly didn't deserve that. And walking away from that experience, it made me with great joy and with no sense of embarrassment or no sense of reservation to say, I get to belong to a church where Jesus is still alive and moving. I get to be part of a church that throws renewal of marriage vows celebrations for our Code Blue guests. And I'm so excited and so privileged to be able to do that. And then to top it all off, our Code Blue experience has just recently ended, but before it did, I had a chance to go by the one morning and see some of our guests and Ray and Stacy were there and we were talking for a minute. And right as we finished up, I turned, I said goodbye and turned and I started walking away. And Ray called after me and he said, we love you, Pastor Matt. And it just made me stop in my tracks. The surprise of the joy of connection and new life in Jesus. And I was like, this is so, so good. And I wanna share it with everyone that I can, with Ray and Stacy with all of our First Night crew, with you, and ultimately with the world. Because the good news is too much to keep to ourselves. And the world needs a whole lot more good news. So let's share it together with the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we get ready to go forth this day, I invite you to receive this blessing and this benediction as we go forth. Go in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, being surprised again at the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives, and then with intentionality and love and authenticity, sharing that good news with all the world. Go in peace and serve the Lord this day.